I'll say hello to someone and then be seated. Amen. All right. You may be seated. Thank you so much. It is Missions Month. Make sure you stop by the bookstore. Uh, you know, Halloween is coming. We don't promote Halloween, any form or version of it, but we do believe in turning it around for Jesus, and we've got Halloween tracks in there. You want to pick up, get those, of course, pay for them, but uh, we've got those tracks for you. We've purchased specially. If you're going to be greeting the kids at the door and trying to be a witness to them, we've got those tracks here. We've got them, the missions, ties, and scarves. We've got all of that. A lot of good things. I hope that you'll stop by uh, today. And then also, let me say, we've got some things coming up. Let's jump out into the future. Of course, in the month of November, we're praising and thanking the Lord. We have a Care and Share Thanksgiving dinner that we share together on Saturday, November the 19th. Folks are signing up for at least two of the blanks. And so we're going to pass these boards, one down each section right now, uh, as uh, we have opportunity. We're going to ask the adults to sign up. So sign up for for uh, at least two of those blanks. Thank you so much. And be a part of our Care and Share on Saturday, November the 19th. We'd like to welcome our guests today. We've got some guests over here and some guests back here with Tom and Jeannie. And uh, let's see, got some other guests, uh, some returning guests, and some folks back here, returning guests. God bless each of you. Good to see Rebecca. All right, God bless you. And uh, everybody, we have an opportunity today to show our love and appreciation for one another. And uh, let's do that in a tangible way. Would you give a hand to all of our guests who are here today? Thank you for coming and honoring us with your presence. Now, let me tell you, next Sunday, you're going to have to come early, and you're going to have to sit on a seat to save it, because next Sunday is our 59th anniversary as a church. God has been so good to us. We're going to open with, in our broadcast right away, with our, with our mixed vocal ensemble down here. They're going to sing a great song, but you better be in your place. There won't be any last-second seating. You need to be in. We're going to have the Hispanic ministry, the children's ministry. Everybody's going to be in here. It's going to be packed. You need to be here. Bring some guests. Invite some people. But we'll have the music. The music package will come first. Then we'll sing and get excited. And then we'll preach the word in honor of what the Lord has done for 59 years. Think of that. I hope that you will be part of it. Now tonight, I want you to be back and hear a missions message at 6.30. Uh, Brother Tyler will be preaching. If you're not going to be able to come back, I want you to take the red envelope that's prominent on the back of the pew, right in front of you. You can see it sticking up there. All right. Get that red envelope. Write Tyler on it. Give the very best love offering that you can because he's one of our own missionaries. Speaking of missionaries, we have our Faith Promise Mission offering devotionals. You can pick one up free on the way out and have that with your family. Also, our Acts and Facts and other items absolutely free that are out there as you leave today. Once again, thank you for joining us and being with us today. And right now, we are going to take a trip by the miracle of electronics. As that drops down, we're going to travel quite a few miles to South America. How many of you know where that is? All right. There it is. There's South America. All right. How many of you know where Ecuador is? Ecuador. Okay. We're going to be traveling to Ecuador. And a family that uh, 
We had in our church before they ever got to Ecuador, I believe we were one of the first churches, if not the first church, to take them on for support. They've now been there for a number of years. You're going to see the wheel locks, all right, by the miracle of electronics. I want you to give your undivided attention. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart about this important ministry. Your giving helps to support. We are the Wheelock family, church planting missionaries in the country of Ecuador. Ecuador is a small country on the northwest coast of South America, bordered on the north by Colombia and on the south by Peru. Ecuador is a country of various regions, coast, mountains, rainforest, and the Galapagos Islands. The people in the different regions are also quite distinct. However, they all have one thing in common, the need to hear and believe the true gospel message of salvation by faith through grace. And that is why we have been in Ecuador since 2006, working to preach the gospel and encourage disciples of Christ. In October of 2006, along with veteran missionaries Rich and Anna Hurst, we started Faith Baptist Church in the city of Guayaquil. Guayaquil is Ecuador's largest city with about 3 million people. Even now, 13 years later, there are only seven independent Baptist churches that we know of when the church first got started, Heather and I were still working on getting a good grasp on the Spanish language. We headed up the teen ministry and the kids program, and I would preach on Wednesday evening to the adults, and slowly our Spanish improved. I began pastoring Faith Baptist Church in 2009, when the Hearsts were called to plant a Spanish-speaking church in Florida. It has been exciting to see how the Lord works in His church. Many have been saved and baptized, and it is encouraging to see the powerful influence the gospel makes in the lives of those who believe and walk with Christ. One area that we are emphasizing is discipleship. It is a challenge to encourage new believers to grow in their relationship with Christ with so many distractions and discouragements in today's society. It is a joy to lead someone through a discipleship series and to watch them grow, asking questions and seeking to know more from God's Word. Then, when the day comes that they begin to lead someone else through discipleship studies, it brings an even greater joy. The need is urgent for churches that are doctrinally sound, teaching the next generation to be faithful teachers. There is much false doctrine in Ecuador. The major religions are present, but also in many evangelical churches there is false teaching. It is vital that those of sound doctrine learn to pass that sound doctrine on to others. Our biggest need at Faith Baptist Church is for a national pastor to take over the work. We have several men who are helping with preaching and teaching while we are here in the United States, but there is no one who is ready to begin to take over the work. Would you pray with us for that need? Our heart's desire is to go with an Ecuadorian to start a new church, but that is hindered by the lack of qualified, surrendered laborers for the harvest of Ecuador. As the church has grown, it has filled the space we currently meet in. We are praying for God's provision to be able to purchase either a building or an empty lot to build on. We have looked at many different options, but so far the door has remained closed based on our limited budget. Would you pray alongside us for this need? We trust the Lord will provide for Faith Baptist Church because He shows Himself to be faithful time and time again. 
Please also pray for us as a family. We are planning on being in the United States until October. Then we will be heading back to the field. Already, I am eagerly awaiting the day when we will be back at the work in Ecuador, and am looking forward to seeing how the Lord will use us as we minister for His glory. Would you pray about the mission field, and specifically Ecuador? Does God want you to serve Him there? The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Would you be one of those that the Lord is calling to serve Him there? We are the Didn't know if he was through talking. I was always taught to be polite and not interrupt somebody. All right. Now, quiz. What's the name of the missionaries? Wheelocks. Okay. Ken Wheelock. All right. And where are they serving? Ecuador. Okay. Back, back to Ecuador. What is the big prayer request? The big prayer request? For laborers. Somebody to take over the work. Somebody to pastor. That's what the ultimate goal of any mission project is to produce, to reproduce, and to continue on for the glory of God. And what is the reason? What is the main reason why we send missionaries? And the reason is because what? People are what? They're lost. They need to be what? Saved. And there's only one way to be saved. Can you get saved by a church? Everybody say, no, sir. No, sir. No, you can't get saved by a church. Uh, do you know anybody that gets saved by being baptized? Say, no, sir. Can they get saved by taking the Lord's Supper? No, sir. Can they get saved by keeping the Ten Commandments or by doing good works? No, sir. No, we have to be saved by grace through faith, by receiving Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Now, you would be surprised how many people in America are not clear on that. And so, guess what? We have a mission field all around us, haven't we? And that's why we reach our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for that presentation. All right. We're going to take our Bibles today. By the way, do you have, do you have a, a copy of the bulletin? If you haven't got the bulletin, would you raise your hand and someone's going to serve you with a bulletin right now, all right? If you haven't got a bulletin, I want to make sure you have one. I want everybody to get one. Thank you. All right, that's good. We've been thinking about missions and bringing missions messages and so glad that we have Brother Gabe and Brother Tyler to help us uh, share in the preaching during this missions month. The ultimate goal is, of course, to raise enough money uh, in what we, by faith, promise to give week by week or month by month that we can take on additional missionaries and missions projects. And we are in the process of doing that right now. Inside your bulletin, uh, there should be uh, one of our faith promise missions forms. Can you find that? Everybody look for it and find it, if you would, please. All right, and that Faith Promise Missions form has a top and a bottom. And the top of it, 
and bottom are to be filled out uh, identically. And then, no place for your name. After you've prayed and asked the Lord how much you want to increase your giving, uh, then you place the top in uh, the offering plate when it's passed, and that will enable us to compute how many additional missionaries and missions projects we can take on. You see about 150 faces out here in the north wing, that hallway, missionaries that we either support or have supported in the past, and, uh, and they're doing all right by the grace of God. Uh, we could always do a little better, but they're doing all right, but we want to put some more missionaries on the field. And so I'm hoping that you fill out that form by faith, place it in the offering plate, and then and that will enable us to take on more missionaries. On the front of your bulletin, it says, Be a light. And we have a scripture that is from Acts chapter 13. You can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. The book of Acts is the blueprint of the New Testament church. And there in Acts chapter 13, the verse that's on the front of your bulletin is verse Number 47, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that, they, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Alright, it's um, obviously in context, uh, it is the Apostle Paul, Saul and Barnabas are uh, called by the Holy Spirit and they go off on their missionary journey and we see them in verse number 13 of that chapter, all right, Acts chapter 13 and verse 13, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. There are different individuals in the Bible that are designated as John. This is John Mark, and he goes by Mark later on. And when you hear the name Mark, what does that remind you of? Anybody offhand the word, the name Mark reminds you of what in the Bible? Second book of the New Testament. The Gospel according to Mark was written by John Mark. When he was a young man, he went on that missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. But he got to a place where it was difficult and he returned to Jerusalem. He gave up. After that point, uh, Barnabas wanted to take him on the next journey and Paul did not because he said he... he gave up. He flaked out on us. We, we don't want him. And so there was a division between Paul and Barnabas. Paul took uh, Titus and, and went his way and Barnabas went his direction and uh, they divided. Now the, the upside of the downside of that split was that there were two missionary groups now, two teams going out to share the good news of Jesus Christ so that souls could be saved. But that split took place. Paul and Barnabas were human. Humans are going to have differences, and they did over John Mark. Later on, John Mark becomes a, a success in the work of the Lord, and Paul even refers to him as being a great success. He was uh, mentored uh, by Barnabas, by Peter, and others, and we know he became a great servant of the Lord. Now, as you read the rest of this chapter, chapter 13, you read about them going into a place with a familiar name, but it's a different place. It's uh, Antioch and Pisidia. So it's up there uh, in Asia Minor, which would be modern-day Turkey. And it is, uh, it is not the same Antioch that's, that's uh, further to the east and south 
where the home church was located. It just happened to be a city by the same name. And while they're there, uh, they preach, and there is a, a mixed result from their preaching. I want you to see what the mixed result is. Uh, he's preaching about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All New Testament preaching is gospel preaching. The gospel is Jesus Christ died according to the Scriptures. He was buried according to the Scriptures. He rose again according to the Scriptures. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's preaching that to them. And we see in verse 38, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, that though through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. We were talking about that in Sunday school earlier. How that in the Old Testament they have signs and symbols. They had certain procedures. They had certain feasts and practices that all pointed ahead to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not come to destroy the law. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And in Christ, when you receive Him as your Savior, you have embodied within you the fulfillment of the law. You don't have to keep up, uh, you don't have to measure up. Jesus Christ is the one who measures up. And He is our righteousness. And so we trust Him as Savior. He takes care of our sin debt. He gives us a brand new life. He energizes us from within. We are new creatures in Christ. That's what Paul is preaching to these folks in Antioch of Pisidia. And he's, and he's saying this. He is saying, Beware therefore lest that, that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold ye despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, uh, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So we do have some that are following uh, the Lord Jesus here. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the Word of God. A great, great inquiry, a great hunger and thirst. And that's the world today. Hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for something that's genuine. We've had too much of the shallow, too much of the inconsequential. We need the absolute truth of the Word of God. We need to take in what the Bible has to say about Jesus Christ and believe every bit of it and know that He is all that we need. Jesus Christ is everything that we need to trust in. And so they were, there were some Jews, they saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. It says in Romans chapter 1, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. So Jews and then non-Jews in that order. That's the way the program was to work in the New Testament age. That's the way we're still working today. We're reaching out. We want lost Jews to see Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament and to receive Him as their Messiah. Uh, but if they don't, then we turn to the Gentiles as well, to non-Jews, all right? So it was necessary that the Word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing He put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy 
of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Now we have the scripture that's on the front of the bulletin. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee uh, to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. There it is. It's very, very clear that God has a program. And that program is for lost souls to trust in Jesus Christ. And we need to be a light. Jesus proclaimed Himself the light of the world. We've sung about that today. And then He said that we would be the lesser lights. We would also be the lights. He said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But then He told us that we would have to carry on. And this whole business of the light is very important. I'm glad we have electric lights today. Before our time, uh, buildings such as this were illuminated by other means, either by lanterns, uh, by candles, by other means. But now we have electric lights. In this particular building, uh, as a former GTE Verizon building, there are, there are three different uh, voltages, I understand, running through. And uh, so it's uh, very interesting as a commercial building. Uh, things that I struggle with anyway become a mystery even to experienced electricians. Isn't that right, Russ? Even experienced electricians are saying, now what is this to? What is this? I mean, we've got all of that history that's here. But God has provided this building in which to meet, and I'm glad that we have light. Now, if there is a power outage, if the power goes down, uh, it may happen, and there may be some blinking lights, or there may be like a lowering of the, the lights, a kind of a brownout. We were experiencing one of those up at the parsonage. Should I tell them? I'll tell them. All right. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. A couple of weeks ago on a Friday night, we're sitting there, and uh, we have a television set, not plugged into cable, but we, we choose our own uh, things to watch on DVD, and we're very careful about that. We watched something. All of a sudden, there was a snap and a kind of a, a flash of light, and, and everything went down. The lights started going on and off and blinking, and all kinds of things going on, and we did not realize it. We spent that night in that place that uh, had some danger involved with it. Dominion came out the next day, and they looked, they checked our meter, and they saw that there was only the, the hot power going in, there was no neutral, and they looked, and up the pole, the squirrels had decided to sharpen their teeth on the neutral line. Now, I would have rather they had tried the hot line, but they didn't. Fried squirrel is good, I hear. But they had chewed, I mean, they had sharpened their teeth and chewed all the way through the neutral. Now, it probably it hung by a string. There were times when we had a little brown out. But this, there was no control on the voltage. Am I right on that? No control on the voltage that was surging through our meter into the house. Everything that didn't have separate grounds on it, pop, gone, instantly. Instantly. And somebody asked me if we were going to get paid back by the insurance company or by Dominion. Well, it wasn't going to happen by Dominion. They don't own the squirrels. And insurance company had a deductible, so it's the, the answer to the question is no and no. And what I said to that person, I think we're going to sue the squirrels. <laughs> it was potentially dangerous, but the Lord kept us safe. And every, all is well now. We're not living in a hazard right now. But that happened momentarily. And the lights went down. It's so much more comforting when they're not blinking on and off. 
and, and acting, you know, uncontrollable. Praise the Lord. Light is one of the greatest benefits that God has ever given us. Do you know that when you check out the attributes of God, light is one of His attributes. And He said in Genesis 1-3, Let there be light, and there was light. Before there ever was a sun or the stars, any of those things that we consider to be sources or light bearers or reflectors, like the moon is a reflector of the light, but the sun is a source as a star, the source of light. God said, let there be light. And I don't know what kind of cosmic light there was. Some people think, well, it's kind of like the northern lights, that kind of light. I don't know what the description is, but I know that God is light. And I know that in heaven there is no need of the sun. It says in Revelation 21, 23, it doesn't need the sun or the moon for the glory of God it is the light thereof. And the glory of God was the source of that original light in the universe before there ever was a sun or before there ever were stars. There was light because God said so. And He is the source of light. Now this is all physical light. We know the, heaven declare, the heavens declare the glory of God. It says in Psalm 19, we know the fingerprints of God are on His creation. And for people to doubt creation is uh, their willful and deliberate attempt to doubt God Himself. I was going through some of my old uh, magazines that I have from missions uh, boards, and uh, I found this particular one about an encounter with Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin had some opinions, even though he did not have advanced degrees uh, as a naturalist. He proclaimed himself to be a naturalist. He picked up on other people's uh, false hypotheses and wrote his book. It became a bestseller. And people bought it and bought into it because they did not have to be accountable to a God. If you've got evolution, you don't need God, they thought. And so Darwin was proceeding uh, as follows. And on his, on his uh, ship that he sailed on the Beagle to go around the world, he came to a place at the very southernmost tip of South America. How many of you know where Tierra del Fuego is? All right. Southernmost city, uh, we believe, in the world is located there now about 50,000 people. But in those days, there were people there that were extremely primitive. And they were declared to be uh, incorrigible. They could, not be, they could not be civilized. They were so uncivilized. And there was an attempt to establish a miss, mission station there by the Church of England, but they abandoned it except for one man who stayed on. He stayed on. And he did just as the missionaries do in the, uh, the little film called Etau uh, in pa Papua New Guinea. He spent a year among them getting to know the people of Tierra del Fuego and becoming their friend and living with them becoming one of them, just like, uh, like uh, Hudson Taylor lived among the Chinese, took, uh, took upon himself Chinese style and, and dress and grooming, and uh, was greatly used of God. The same thing is true of this man who stayed among the people of Tierra del Fuego. And after a year, he had put together a syllabus, a dictionary of 30,000 of their words, so that he could translate. He began to translate the scriptures. And as soon as they had some scriptures, 
they began to listen. And he began to, to tell and to act out the stories of the Bible. Just like those primitive folks in Papua New Guinea in Etau. And when they came to the crucifixion, the, the burial and, and uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there were those, there was about three dozen that believed on Jesus and they submitted to baptism and they were formed into a local church. And when the people heard that these folks had been civilized in Tierra del Fuego, they didn't believe it. And Charles Darwin didn't believe it because he had said it's impossible. You see, evolution is one of the evils behind just about every wicked thing that's going on and has gone on in the world since then. It was, uh, it was uh, Adolf Hitler who quoted from, uh, from that document and said, he said, as it has been written, the uh, survival of the fittest. And then he said that his German Aryan heritage was the fittest on earth and that they would, that they would and you remember what he said, they will, they will conquer the world and rule it for a thousand years. Well, in less than a dozen years, they found out differently. We gave it back to them, didn't we? Absolutely. And I don't say that with any personal gratification, but just to illustrate the fact that the teachings of Charles Darwin have infected other areas of education and of society and of thinking and believing. And there are Christians today who say, well, it could be evolution. Maybe it's theistic evolution. No. The Bible says that God created everything and created from nothing. And uh, He spoke it into existence. And uh, God did that. Jesus Christ, the God-man, did that. Praise the Lord. And by Him all things consist. But you don't know how that works out until you take the Word of God to extremely primitive, backward, and pagan peoples and you give them the opportunity to become all that God intended them to be since God created them in His image. The people of Tierra del Fuego were created in the image of God. Charles Darwin said that they're impossible. You can't, you can't do anything with them. Well, that one missionary stayed and translated and gave them the scriptures and taught them the truth and led them to Christ and baptized them and formed a church. And when the next group came, they couldn't believe their eyes. These people were civilized and they were living like folks ought to live. So much so that when word came to Charles Darwin, Charles Darwin was so impressed by the work that was done with those that he had said were impossible subjects, impossible students, that for the rest of his life, he sent money to that mission to support the work of the mission. I'm not kidding you. I wish I could report to you that Charles Darwin had a great conversion. I don't know that. There have been various apocryphal stories that have been told. But it is a matter of public record that Charles Darwin supported missions until the end of his life. And he even wrote a letter to them and said, I wish you would consider me an honorary member of your society. Now, I hope and pray that Charles Darwin met Jesus. I hope he came to faith in Christ. A wise missionary, a wise missionary once said, 
when you're dealing with people that are filled up with so much error, you can't just stand toe-to-toe and expect apologetics to be the answer. Don't, don't argue with them to win the argument, but present Jesus Christ so that you'll win them to Christ. I, I don't care how many debates I win or lose. I want to win souls to Jesus Christ. Yesterday I went to a door. I'd had a good reception previously, but at this particular door, the wife came to the door. Husband was not home. I would not go into a situation like that, but at the door, I asked if he was home, and she said no, and she said, who are you? And I told uh, who I was, and she said, oh, we respect all religions, and shut the door. Now, what I think she meant, what she really meant, Tom, was we disrespect all religions, and she shut the door. It's like uh, that mean old coach in the NFL that, uh, that ran his players so hard. I mean, he was just as mean as the devil to them. And uh, one rookie was complaining. And one veteran said, don't complain. He hates us all equally. And, you know, there are people today that say, I, well, we respect all religion equally. First of all, Jesus Christ is not a religion. What we have with him is a relationship. When we talk about Jesus Christ, we're talking about the one who takes people out of the darkness of their paganism, of their heathendom, of their hopelessness, of their, of their believing falsely in evolution, believing in, uh, in the humanistic ideas of this world, and brings them into the light of the glorious gospel so that they realize that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so that they realize that there's only one way to God, and that way is a person, Jesus Christ. That's what the New Testament says. And that's what we're doing when we're trying to uh, promote missions. We're trying to help folks to find that there is only one way to God. And that's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Turn with me over to 1 Thessalonians very quickly. 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to answer some questions for you. 1 Thessalonians. And chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. We're not going to get down to that laundry list of short little statements at the end, but I'm going to begin at the very front of the chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So the judgment of God is going to come suddenly. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, here it is, are not in darkness, that's spiritual darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. There it is. That's, that's our call to action. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So get your armor on, and let's be serving, and uh, let's be bearing that light like the moon reflects the light of the sun. Let's reflect the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Yes, there is coming. There's coming a day. And on that particular day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's very true. In the meantime, we should so let our light shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Jesus is the light. Now that He has left us, we are His small lights. We are to reflect that light in the face of spiritual darkness. We do not attempt to debate or to go toe-to-toe with every philosophy and every false idea, though we could, but that in this hour, this desperate, needy hour, is going to be a waste of time and resources. We need to go out and wherever we have a hearing, wherever we have an audience like they did in Antioch of Pisidia, where some listened and some did not, we need to present the gospel of Jesus Christ and present Him and say, this is what happened to me. I was just like you. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. We need to share the gospel. Do not use as a false excuse your weakness or inability to debate every philosophy and ism and cult and false religion that's in the world, for they are many. Instead, present Jesus Christ, and nothing can stand in His presence against Him. I'm going to ask and answer some questions this morning. Question number one, why should we, that is those of us who are saved, Shine for Jesus. Number one answer is because it's commanded. We've been given the command. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We share Jesus wherever we go. You say, I'm I'm not very good at the rest of it. How are you at this? Got a smile for you. Works. It works. Now, one in a thousand, one in a hundred might say, no, thank you. But you say, I got a smile for you. But if you're really having difficulty getting them to accept something so simple as a smile, then get your kids or your grandkids to do it for you. When they say, i got a smile for you, nobody except Ebenezer Scrooge is going to turn that down. They're all going to take it. You say, but preacher, I don't have any kids or grandkids. Then rent you some. All right? Get you some little kids and have them say, i got a smile for you. There it is. Start off simple. Let me tell you some good news. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose from the dead. He did it so you can be saved. If you'll ask Him in your heart, He'll take you to heaven. How tough is that? I don't know if I get those words out. Well, then just say, i got a smile for you. Tell them to read it all the way to the back. Tell them to do what it says in the back. And they can be saved the Bible way. It is a command as we see on the front of our bulletin. It is a command as we see in the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. And somebody has wisely said, let's let's make the Lord's last command our first priority. Amen. Amen. That is a high and holy calling. It's a high calling, a holy calling, a heavenly calling. Mark it down. High, holy, and heavenly. It's the greatest thing in the world that you can be or do. A soul winner for Jesus. Tell them about it. It's the greatest honor that you can bring to the one who saved you and has kept you and satisfies you. And it is corrective. If we are the light, the darkness cannot coexist. The other night we went to the Board of Supervisors meeting. 
There have been some shakeups and some changes in our county politically, but they still meet. They still have their meetings. And they were discussing the development of all this property back here. A long-time dream of the owners and of other people and some of the supervisors to develop all of this. And I'm going to tell you right now, because you've read about it, the quartz district is going in. And uh, when it's done, you're going to be praising the Lord for all the opportunities. See, I kind of like the woods. Well, so do the deer. And, and so do the rabbits. And so do the fox. Saw the fox. Saw the fox last night. He had come out. I don't know if there's something wrong with that fox, but that red fox had come out and laid down on the asphalt to get warm. When I came out and went like this, and went back in the woods. Got all that going on, but that's going to be developed back here, and all this out here is going to be developed. It's called the Quartz District. And we have been in consultation with the people that are doing the Quartz District. And every time I give them the gospel and I share Jesus with them, and so much so now they know what to expect. And they have designated, they have called our church the Quartz District Church. How do you like that? We're going to hold down this corner and reach all these folks for Jesus Christ, the Lord helping us. Now, there are going to be 1,100 millennial type homes of all descriptions back here. There's going to be all top of the line, whatever development, whatever business and restaurant and office development you've seen, it's going to be out here on steroids. I mean, it's going to be big. To do that, they are going to tear up the road out here. In the future, you'll come to church from this direction because you won't be able to get through this way unless you go through the bypass that they're building through the property up here and on the other side. I'm just giving you a little heads up. All of that to cast a vision. People say, don't you wish it just stayed woods all the time? It's not going to, so that's a moot point. Here's what I wish. I wish that every person that's going to be living over here, working over here, eating over here, shopping over here. Every person gets the gospel. Every person gets exposed to the truth of Jesus Christ. We're going to have a full time. That's going to be like a community, like a city of its own right here. We're going to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would like a couple of the, of the low-slung kind of buses, the, the kind of the, the uh, tour buses. I'd like a couple of those to go up and down the streets and say, oh, we're the Quartz District Church. Come on to church. like to open up the back gate and have them walk to church. Have them ride their, put a bicycle rack out there. Have them ride their bicycles to church. I have a vision to reach these people with the gospel. And when I'm out there knocking on doors, and they say, what are you doing? I say, oh, I'm the pastor of the Quartz District Church. I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. We want to win all these people to Jesus. Got folks across the street that need Jesus. Got folks back here that are going to need Jesus. People all around us. Why should we shine for Jesus? Because it is corrective. I was at that meeting. They don't open in prayer anymore. You remember they had me come open in prayer a couple of times? Sent me a thick set of guidelines on what not to do when you pray. Federal guidelines. They said you can't pray in the name of any specific deity. They said you can't quote any specific sacred writings, such as the Bible, Koran, and otherwise. And they went down the list. So I told you people, you remember this, I said, now, we're going to be holding church from the jail because I'm going to get arrested. I'm going down there and I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to quote scripture. My wife was there. And there were people from all different religious backgrounds sitting there. And when I was called to, to open in prayer, I got up 
and I quoted about 30 scriptures, gave the plan of salvation, drew the net in my prayer, and then closed in the words of our founding president, George Washington, blah, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Let them arrest me on George Washington's word. And when I said amen, I didn't even look. I was getting ready to leave and people were tapping me on the shoulder and were congratulating and thanking me that that had happened. That happened twice. But now they don't open in prayer anymore. So they're discussing the courts district. And they got through the presentation by the people who are the developers. Got through the presentation by the, uh, by the, uh, the committee that's in charge of accepting the work. And they had voted 7-0 to accept it, unanimous. And then they said, now we're going to have anybody that wants to speak from the public. I had signed up first. I got up there. I took my Bible. I, I got rid of my notes. I spoke from my heart. I said, very wise man 3,000 years ago gave some divine wisdom, advice to his son. He had wanted to build the most fabulous building ever constructed, but God wouldn't let him. And so uh, his son was given materials and blueprints and directions to build. And, and here's what the wisest, uh, that, that wise man told that wise son. He said, uh, except, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And I said, you've got some great plans here. I and my people, we're 100% behind what you're doing. It's fantastic, great opportunities, great for society and so forth, but don't leave God out of it. God's got to be in it. And I looked over, and the supervisor who represents this area was, Amen, Amen, Amen. He was Amen in me. Now remember, they didn't have a clergyman to open up, so there I was. And when I got through, one of the lady supervisors down front, she said, Where's that pastor? And I raised my hand and said, We're so glad the pastor came. When I got done, I walked up to all the supervisors and all the executives, and I said, thank you. We're going to be praying for you. I want you to pray for our supervisors. I want you to pray for our county. God says we ought to. And as I'm walking out, I said, I went to a supervisor's meeting, and a revival broke out. Amen. Amen. We need the light. You need to let the light of Jesus shine where you work. You need to let the light of Jesus shine where you live. You need to let the light of Jesus shine where you shop. You need to let the light of Jesus shine where you eat. You need to let the light of Jesus shine up and down the neighborhoods and all around. Let it shine for Jesus, this little light of mine. Amen. I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Why should we shine for Jesus? Because it's a corrective. It corrects it. Now, we're to be salt and light. What does it mean to shine for Jesus? It means that because I'm a new creature and I'm clean through the blood of Jesus Christ, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They haven't seen too many like that. All right, then we can effectively carry the gospel. You can't carry the gospel if you're not a new creature and if you're not clean. You can't do it. You're not going to be effective. And so that's what it means to shine for Jesus. Get saved if you're not saved. And if you're saved, stay clean, confess your sin, and then let's carry the gospel wherever we go. Let's have a handful of tracts. Stop by the bookstore and get some. Now, third question, going to ask and answer. How ought we to shine for Jesus? By what means? Number one, by committing ourselves to His Word. That's it. 
Commit yourself to His Word, to His way, to His will. Amen. Number two, we need to be disciplined and diligent about it. This needs to be the most important thing in our life. More important than being popular, more important than people loving you or liking you or approving of you, you need to put this number one, Jesus Christ, to please Him, to live for Him, and He's the only one we need to please. Very important. Continue on. Don't quit. Keep on going. There, there it is. But let me say this. It's important that we be willing. If we're going to shine, we've got to be willing to burn. We've got to be willing to be consumed by this passion. Is it the most important thing in your life? You say, I'm not sure it is. Then it ought to be. If not, why not? What is more important to you than what I've just preached about the Lord Jesus Christ and representing Him, being His ambassador, doing what He has commanded us to do, being what He's commanded us to be, where He wants us to be? What's more important, your job? Jobs come and go. Your house? Your money? What's more important? You say, oh, my family. And I know at that point it gets, it gets um, emotional. Because your, your family is important to you, my family is important to me. And I'm not asking that this ever happen, but if it's, if it's lose your life or don't lose your life, if it's lose everything but not Jesus, what do you do? What do you take? What are you concerned about? Who are you living for? Who do you want to please? I want to shine for Jesus. I want to shine till He comes or He takes me home. I want to make sure that nothing in this world, nothing that anybody says, no rumor, no thought, nothing that anybody says, it, whether from the highest to the lowest, I don't care. I want to shine for Jesus Christ. That's it. How about you? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking. How many of you today would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Yes, amen. How many of you who are seated here today would say, Preacher, if I know my heart, best I know my heart, I want to shine for Jesus. That's the priority of my heart and of my life. That's my desire. I want to shine for Jesus. Raise your hand up high. Come on. I want to shine for Jesus. Yes. I want to make a difference. Amen. Now, Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you do not know for a fact that heaven is your home, if you're not positive beyond any doubt that Jesus is your Savior, that your sin debt has been taken care of, paid for in full by Jesus Christ, right now is the accepted time. Right now is your opportunity. Will you pray from your heart to God right now if you're not sure that you're saved? Pray this and mean it. Dear God, just pray silently. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Now your head is bowed. Your eyes are closed. If you prayed that prayer from your heart to God and you truly meant it, would you put your hand up high so I can see it right now?
Oh